0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter, chapter 2. 1 Peter, chapter 2. The name of the message is The Great Substitute. The Great Substitute. 1 Peter, chapter 2. We'll continue our study in 1 Peter. And just a quick setting of it. um, The saints here are suffering saints. They're suffering for the cause of Christ. They're being persecuted for their faith. And Peter writes them to comfort them. And I've noticed something in all these messages and, and, and in studying this book. You you note with Peter, and, and we saw it in Colossians as well, that the writers of of the letters in the scriptures always point us to Christ, always point us to Christ. He's the only comfort for us. If we look to ourselves, we have no peace and no comfort, but... When we look to Christ as believers, we have great peace and great comfort. We find great peace and great comfort in Christ and Him alone. So let's read from verses 13 to 25. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. For this is thankworthy if a man's conscience, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffer wrongfully. For what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Now here's our text from verse 22 to 25. Speaking of Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So last week we looked at verses 17 and 21. Where we saw that we who believe suffer for Christ's sake. We suffer for Christ's sake. And we looked at the fact that we are called by God with an effectual call. And and as our Master suffered, so will we. When we profess Christ Jesus our Lord, we will suffer. We'll suffer persecution from and it comes from it comes from the home sometimes, it comes from from family members, it comes from friends, it comes from all different places. So don't be surprised. And and Peter's writing them here, writing the saints and and telling them, don't be surprised when you suffer persecution. Don't be surprised. And we looked also at how the servant is, is not above his master. And since Christ suffered persecution, then we can expect it as well. As the servant is not above his master. We're to take it patiently, knowing that it's ordained by God. And knowing that he will give us grace and strength. To endure whatever situation we're going through. And then we looked at verse 21, where we touched on briefly about our suffering and substitute. And this will be our topic today the Lord Jesus Christ, our suffering substitute. So let's start at verse 21. We'll read that again. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So again, we see Peter here writing to suffering saints. And we know that this book is written to saints, again, who are going through trials and tribulations and persecutions for their faith. And he reminds them that they're called of God. They're called of God. And and this is a great source of of joy and strength for the believer at all times, knowing that that if God called me effectually by His grace, then here, keep me. Here, keep me. And this is a deep well, beloved, for us to draw from, isn't it? It's a deep well for us to drop from. It's, it's a well full of cool water. to Know that our God will keep us. And we know that we're called to obedience and godliness and good works and to bear whatever affliction and trial and suffering may result from a, from a godly life. Therefore, we must bear reproach and the suffering in the pursuit of, a, of what one, one commentator said, a true Christian conduct. Then, then this is all part of our calling. This is all part of our call. Turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Yeah, you know, I often think, you know, you don't have to teach Christian living. People like to write books and all this stuff. On this. God's people will be taught how to live, won't we? We'll be taught how to live. There's some things we don't want to do. And then there's, we, we confess our sin and we move on, don't we? Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, patience, persecution, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Icrium, at Lystia, what persecutions I endured, but, but of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, in all that live godly in Christ Jesus will I, shall suffer persecution. So we ought not to be surprised. Notice that. Notice there, but of them all, the Lord delivered me. Verse eleven. Keep that in your heart when you're going through things. Keep that in your heart, beloved of God. The Lord delivers His people, and He does it constantly, doesn't He? He does it constantly for us. Now we enter in more depth in the passage here, which proclaims our suffering substitute on Calvary's cross. And let's look at each verse here to finish the chapter. And we'll start with verses 22 and 23. Speaking of Christ here. Who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judges righteously. And note here, very plainly proclaimed. Our Lord Jesus Christ is and was sinless, sinless, who did no sin, none, neither was guile found in his mouth. He was in the world, and yet did no sin, no guile, no deceit, no lies, no exaggeration from his mouth, and yet he suffered, he suffered. When men reviled him, they called him a devil, a wine-bibber, a friend of sinners. He didn't revile them in return, beloved. He didn't render evil for evil, did he? Not at all. When he suffered, he, he did not make them suffer in return. He has all power, remember that. When he suffered, he didn't make those who were persecuting him suffer in return. He didn't threaten them with vengeance, but rather he prayed for them. And and this is what we should do for those who persecute us. We should pray for them, shouldn't we? Remember, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul writes this exhortation to, to believers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 to 18. Look at this. And this is an exhortation from our dear brother Paul. Now we exhort you, brethren, verse 14, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. So if a man renders evil to you, don't render evil back to him. Now that's hard for us to do, isn't it? Because we still battle the flesh, don't we? But we're not to do that. But ever fall that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now it's hard for us to give thanks in all situations, isn't it? It is. But when we remember that it's ordained of God... And when we remember what, what, what uh, was written before that we looked at, that God will take us through, whatever we do, it can give our hearts joy amidst tribulation, can it? It can give our hearts joy. We don't like going through. No one likes, I don't know anyone, anyone. And I'm going to say this plainly. I don't know anyone who likes to go through a trial. I don't know anyone who likes that or a tribulation but we can, we can find great strength in our Redeemer. We can find great strength as a believer in Christ Jesus our Lord, knowing that it's for our, our good and his glory. And so here's our example. Again, before us, beloved God, we may be misunderstood. People misunderstand us. They may ridicule us for our faith. We may be persecuted for our faith but we are not to render evil for evil. We're to pray for those who persecute us without a cause, leaving them in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Let's consider verse 24 now. Look at this. And we see our suffering substitute here. Who his own self self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Here we see our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh. And we see His great condescension, bearing the sins of His people on Calvary's cross. And the believer cries out, He's bearing my sins. He's sinless, remember? He's perfect. He's the spotless Lamb of God. And it says here, though, who his own self bear our sins. Now remember who Peter's writing to. He's writing to blood-washed saints, isn't he? He's writing to the people of God. And we can look at this today and apply it to us, who his own self, we who believe, who his own self bear our sins. Not some of them, but all of them. In his own body on the tree. All my sins were imputed to Christ. The believer says that. We look at that and says. He bore my sin. All of it. And we know that he did this in full submission. To the father. He willingly did this. He willingly did this. He willingly left the glories of heaven. Now, we get a glimpse of that in Isaiah, don't we? Isaiah chapter 6. And, and, and he's so great that his train fills the temple. And remember, kings back then, the bigger the train was, the, the more vast their empire was. And it says in Scripture that his whole train filled the temple. He's the king of the universe. And then we've seen the angels bowing before him. And they have to cover, remember, they have to cover themselves? Because they can't even be in his presence without covering themselves, because He's so holy. And our Lord left all that to come to this earth to save His people from their sins. And and each one of us believers say, He bore my sin. He left the glories of heaven for me. For me. What great condescension we see here. He came to pay all that was demanded by God for His people. To be the sinless sacrifice. To be the substance of all the shadows. Right? Of all those sacrifices in the Old Testament. They were just shadows, weren't they? But here's the substance. who bear our sins, beloved who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we be dead the sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. He's the great substitute. The sinless sacrifice. Just as on the Day of Atonement pictured both in the sacrifice and the scapegoat. Our Lord was buffeted. He was scourged. He was crucified. And yet he's a silent substitute. Turn if you would to Isaiah chapter 53. He's the silent substitute. Bearing the sins of his people. Not saying a word. Now remember when those soldiers were beating him and scourging him. And then they played that crown of thorns on his head with one word he could have wiped them all out he's got all power but he knows he must complete the mission he was sent to 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 come and do to redeem his people from their sins look at Isaiah 53 7 and 8 and this whole chapter is wonderful but we'll just read these two verses look at this he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Oh, he's bought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He's the great substitute, beloved. He's the great substitute. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And the believer looks at this and says, For the transgression of my sins was he stricken. I'm one of the people mentioned there, are you? Oh, the Lord was stricken for his people. Let's go back to our text and note how plainly it's stated here in our text that the Lord Jesus Christ bore the sins of His people. 1 Timothy 2.24 Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now here is substitution right here before us. Right here, very plainly stated. Who His own self bear our sins in His own body on the tree. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless sacrifice, God incarnate in the flesh, did this alone. He did it alone. He alone bore the sins of His people in His own body on the tree. All the sins of of all the elect, of all the ages, was placed upon him. And this was typified by the high priest bearing the sins of of holy things of the people of Israel when he went into the most holy place and laid his hands upon the sacrifice and also by the scapegoat bearing the iniquities of all the people unto a land not inhabited. And remember, those two lambs were examined They were perfect and spotless, without blemish. It pictured Christ, beloved. Pictured Christ. And all this was foretold by the prophets. And note, He bore our sins in His own body on the tree. It was at Calvary where our Lord Jesus Christ carried the burden of our sins up to the tree. And there, there, beloved, and I want us to hear this, there, beloved... He made an end to them. He made an end to them. He paid for the sins of His people. When He cried, It is finished. And He gave up the ghost. Oh, the great substitute finishes the work which He was sent to do. Again, let's look at our text. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. And note the text here, we being dead to sins, this speaks of God's people. And let us never forget that this, this is a one time sacrifice, never to be repeated. A one time sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ. Paid for the sins of his people on Calvary's cross once. It's finished. It's never to be done again. And his people are bought and paid for. He bore the sins of his people. And now he bears the sins of his people no more, does he? No, he's resurrected in glory. And both the sinner and the substitute, the sinner's surety, the Lord Jesus Christ, are free. Free. the law of God is vindicated for our sins by the death of Christ the justice of God is what fully satisfied he paid it all he paid it all he died, Christ died in our place in the salvation which has which been wrought out by Christ what is it? beloved it's complete and it's eternal See, this is is the difference between grace and religion. There's nothing for us to do but look to Christ. And and, and even that, we can't do it in our natural state, and and He makes us willing. And, And we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, and then we look to Christ. It's all the work of God, beloved. Salvation's of the Lord. It's all the Lord. It's all the Lord. Salvation's complete. The perfect spotless lamb of God has died in the room and place of his people, and God is satisfied. God is only satisfied it with Christ and his work. That's it. It's wonderful. He will only accept the atonement made by Christ. The death of Christ and in the payment and purchase Of his people's eternal souls. He purchased us. With his own blood. He redeemed us. With his own blood. He bore our sins. And he paid everything that God demanded for them. At Calvary's cross. And what a wonderful condition. God's blood bought people. Are legally dead to the punishment of sin. Legally dead to the punishment of sin. Now, now, again, that doesn't give us a license to go crazy, but what a wonderful deliverance we have, eh? What a wonderful deliverance when you think of that. And what do God's people say when we we consider that we are legally dead to the punishment of sin? We say, bless the Lord, praise His holy name. This is wonderful. Wonderful news. We no longer love sin, but now we hate it. It's it ceased to have the dominion over us it once had. Now we live under righteousness, don't we? Trusting and resting in Christ alone. And that's the hardest thing for us to do, too, as believers. Just to rest. Brother Joe Terrell is coming in the summer. And, and I, I, I'll never forget when Joe and I had a talk years ago. And he said the hardest thing for us as believers. And I know I repeat this all the time. But it's worth repeating. The hardest thing for us to do is just to rest in Christ. It's the hardest thing for us to do. It really is. But the Lord teaches us, doesn't He? (laughs) He teaches us. Beloved, we're dead to sin. We no longer love it. It ceased to have the dominion over us it once had. We were born in sin, but by the death of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we're born again. We who believe are now dead to sin. Dead to sin. And note, we who were dead in trespasses and sins, our text here says, now live under righteousness. We're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We have have a new life within us. Newness of life in the kingdom of grace. And we desire to live unto the Lord. One time we lived unto ourselves, didn't we? Now we... Now we want to live unto the Lord, live unto Him, and notice whose stripes it is by that. But notice by whose stripes it is that we are healed from our sin sickness. Sin is a, a plague. Notice it says here, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. In this portion, again, turn, if you would, again, to Isaiah chapter 53. We'll just look at one verse over there. This is a reference to Isaiah 53, 5, which is a prophecy of the Messiah. And we know that the Messiah is the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, sin is like a disease, a natural and hereditary one. It's a pandemic, really, which has infected the whole human race because we come into this world conceived in sin. And none of us can heal ourselves. None of us can heal ourselves. This deadly disease is incurable by natural man. Man cannot heal himself. Of the sin sickness which we have. But there is one physician. Who can cure us of this loathsome disease. This sickness called sin. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn if you would to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Verses 76 and 77. And then we'll read to verses verses 78 and 79. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins. Now note the word remission there. It means to release from bondage or imprisonment, forgiveness or pardon of sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Remission of the penalty. And then look at verses 78 and 79. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness. That's our natural state in the shadow of death. Again, that's our natural state to guide our feet into the way of peace. Who's the Prince of Peace? beloved? The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 103. 103, Christ is the only physician and his blood, the balm and sovereign medicine which cleanses his people from all our sins through the remission or pardoning of our sin which is meant by healing or healing of disease and forgiving iniquities is one in the same. We see an example of this over in Psalm 103. Look at this. And it'll tie in with with, by His stripes we are healed. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I just love that verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies beloved we we were healed and we remain so it is not a thing to be done in the future it has been wrought by christ and christ alone the great substitute when he died for his sheep on calvary's cross now let's look at verse 25 let's look at verse 25 in first peter chapter 2 verse 25 for ye were as sheep going astray That was our natural state, beloved. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Spurgeon says this about us being sheep. First it was brutish. Ye were as sheep. Sin has made us so that we are only fit to be compared to beasts. And to those of the least intelligence, he says, we were as sheep, but are now men and women redeemed unto God. Now note also our state. We were going astray, prone to wander. That's us. We're prone to wander. It's natural for a sheep to do so. And, And we were always going astray. We were lost sheep, and we were loving to go astray. We delighted in it at one time. We didn't know we were even sheep. And now, sometimes even the believer still wanders. But now we seek the right way. We desire to follow the shepherd of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we wander, it's either through ignorance or temptation. And what happens, though, to the believer? We quickly repent, don't we? We quickly repent when the Holy Spirit convicts us. And truly, the Lord watches over us, though, as a shepherd does his flock. He he won't let us get, we'll never be out of his sight, beloved. We'll never be out of his sight. And think upon this, when we were wandering astray, dead in trespasses and sins in our unregenerate state, we had no way to come to the shepherd. And we did not desire to come to the shepherd. But now we who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God, though we have wandered, we've returned to our shepherd. Because we've heard his voice. He's called us. He came and sought us out. He came and sought us out. And our soul cries this, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. And all this is because the Lord died for us, and we who are born again, we now have a love for Christ, which he's created in us. And it leads us to seek his face. It leads us to seek his face and renew our fellowship with him when we've wandered off. Look, it says here, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now we who are the Lord's people have one leader, beloved. We have one leader who is here called the shepherd and bishop of your souls. God's blood-bought people put their entire dependence upon Christ in salvation and in all matters of life. Christ is the, the shepherd and bishop of your souls to the believer. isn't he? This is what he is to us. And think upon this, he who bears the office here of of shepherd fully performs it by feeding his sheep, by providing for his sheep, by giving them fold and pasture for them, by gathering the lambs in his arms and gently leading those that are with young, by healing their disease and preserving them from beasts of prey. Therefore he is called the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord Jesus Christ is for His people, the bishop of our souls. The bishop of our souls. Look at Psalm 23. We can probably almost read this from memory. (laughs) But let's look at this in light of what we just read here. He's the bishop, the shepherd and bishop of your souls as a believer. Look at this, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then I'll read again our text. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Christ alone is the bishop or overseer of the souls. Of his people. It is he who took the oversight of them. Willingly. Willingly beloved. And it is he who watches over. His flock. And he provides for their care. And needs. And he will never. He will never. He will never leave them. Nor forsake them. And one day. Their faith. Will become sight. When they see him in heaven, and are with Him in heaven forever. And the salvation of the souls of His people has been accomplished. Has been accomplished. Just as we've looked at today, by His obedience, by His suffering, and by His death, the salvation of His people is absolutely complete. And the believer in Christ says, praise His mighty name.